Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches vacation.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I would like to welcome all our listeners to the 100th episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. And joining me today is my regular co-host, Giri. Hello, Giri. Hi, Ajit. Glad we could join uh, for a 100th episode. And when you said uh, regular co-host, I have been, to be honest, very irregular these days. <laughs> so I don't think I can uh, uh, I can be called a regular host anymore. Uh, but otherwise, how, how have you been? Well, uh, mostly keeping to myself these days uh, because of the COVID situation as is in the Netherlands. Mm. So we've all gone into a lockdown. And as a result, uh, in order to keep it uh, a bit easy, uh, we are back to how things were in March, at least for the next uh, foreseeable two to three weeks, let's say. So uh, we just go out when we absolutely have to do some shopping, right? Mm. Apart from that, uh, yeah, things are fine. From work and other perspective, it's fine. But uh, all our, let's say, wintertime sport activities have been cut off. We used to train a little indoors uh, and all of that has been cut off. Uh, what about you? How have you been? Uh, pretty much the same, you know, locked inside. Well, not actually locked, but I can still go out and do a few things. But it's not the same. Uh, it was, uh, let's say, a year ago. <laughs> we keep going back to that and we always keep questioning when the normal situation will return. But it seems to be slipping away from us yet again, uh, thanks to those increasing numbers here. In mainland Europe, I think it's been uh, going up ever since the summer holidays. Mm -hmm. And we haven't even touched winter, so it could it would even, in, even increase um, unless the vaccine <laughs> is out. Right. Uh, that's another story. I'm not going to discuss uh, the vaccine situation. I think we should all keep our fingers crossed and then pray that there is something which can stop the flow. 
or stop the spread of this virus. Mm-hmm. I think I told you, right? So I tried my hand at cricket during right. the summer, summer months, mm-hmm. and I broke a finger again. Of course. <laughs> just like last year. Yeah, yeah. just like yeah. last year. So last time it was a middle finger and this time it was a ring finger. So, uh, But I have recovered from that. Uh, but uh, there isn't much sport to be played. So like you said, so pretty much everything has come to a standstill. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't see <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even know how long this tunnel will uh, keep going. So, But anyway, on the bright side, Yen Guru Samachara, RCB. ಪ್ಲೇಂಗ್ <laughs> Uh, it's a combination of all of the things you said so uh, the my my um, yeah my feeling is i think it's a change in the mindset i would like to give a little bit of credit here to simon katich and uh, mike hessen the backroom staff right uh, mm. look they always had good bowlers they ran people like uh, mitchel stark into the ground right so um it was never about the personnel it was about uh, how these personnel went about and executed their skills so mm. i think we see a little bit of a difference and uh, as i said earlier in the, in the native language kannada long may it continue because they have actually done enough and more previously and lost in the finals so they are twice finalists as well no? so yeah. we really hope at this time they are able to go all the way because things look good and so maybe we look, take a look at the table at a little later on but you know yeah. while we are talking about uh, ipl i think we should first discuss today's uh, incredible games so i think you followed the last game the 36th uh, game of this season's ipl the double super over game between kings 11 punjab and uh, mumbai indians kiri what are your thoughts on that what a game man what a game i think i never thought playing cricket in the middle east uh, towards the fag end of the summer in such hot conditions would uh, bring about such, such kind of entertainment i think it has been a very entertaining ipl I've been following only a few games here and there. Some of the games uh, from RCB, uh, of course. I, I cannot stop talking about RCB for some reason. I've never been so happy <laughs> about RCB because they've been playing away from Chinnaswamy Stadium anyway. Let's, uh, let's look at the game that uh, was played a few minutes ago. I mean, I think it concluded like uh, an hour and a half before we started recording this. In Dubai, um, the, the very strange-looking stadium which doesn't have tower... lights you know so i think it's it's uh, it was a fantastic game uh, which uh, which basically had to be settled uh, on the back of a second super over uh, right. incredible right incredible mumbai indians i think they they played really well uh, i think it was not such a bad total in the end 176 for 6 which they scored but Uh, i think full credit must go to uh, kings 11 because they, it seemed like they were going to win i think i i managed to follow it ball by ball maybe towards the end of their batting innings kings 11's batting innings and they didn't they needed something like 22 runs in two overs or 20 odd runs in two overs and then they were left with nine in the last over i think trent bowled 
bowled a fantastic last over. He bowled wonderful yorkers, one of which you know, took the inside edge and then went for four uh, to mm-hmm. the final leg boundary uh, off the bat of Chris Jordan. Right. But apart from that, they, they bowled really well towards the end. I think the 18th over by Bumrah was also fantastic. They lost Rahul um, in that over. I think Rahul was batting so well. He was 77. He was pretty much you know, willing to take his team home. Uh, his team having faltered on so many occasions um, and the super over was not definitely was definitely not on their minds anyway they lost the very first super over match they played against Delhi Capitals let's all remember that and Mayan Kagar will threw it away you know <laughs> basically and it unfortunately ended up being another super over and then I think KL Rahul and uh, who was the other guy uh, Nicholas Puran I think they came out to bat and Puran uh, got a leading edge he was caught Short third man, mm. uh, and Rahul also was out in the uh, you know at the last ball uh, of that super over by Bumrah. And there were only five runs, you know, they scored only five runs in that super over, and that was pretty. I think five runs is absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I think five runs, um, you you cannot expect to defend five runs, and yet they managed to defend. Shami bowled a very good over. They were also a bit lucky, I think. Uh, Rohit Sharma and Quinter de Kock could not manage to score that elusive boundary. They could have finished it off with one big shot. For some reason, they were trying to play safe shots like ones and twos. Um, and um, Kings Eleven, I think, stuck to their guns and then finally managed to. Uh, I think KL Rahul uh, brilliantly ran out uh, Quinter de Kock a la uh, Mahindra Singh Dhoni, you know, flinging the ball towards the stumps. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ball uh, hitting the stumps with uh, de Kock just caught short of the crease. In the end, I think we needed another super over. And then the second super over was even more brilliant because we had uh, the big uh, uh, fridge, as you call him, Ajit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyron Pollard, right. the big unit. Yeah. He came and he tried to smash everything, but he couldn't. I think he only got a one boundary. Um, they scored something like 11 runs. And Kings 11 needed 12 to uh, seal the match. And then out came uh, the magnificent beast, Universe Boss. He smacked a six of the first ball of Trent Bowles uh, over. And then uh, I think that pretty much settled the game. Uh, Mayan Kagarwal hitting a couple of boundaries. But yeah, I think once Chris Gale uh, hit that six of the first ball, it turned the tide completely in uh, favor of uh, Kings 11. I think KL Rahul and Anil Kumble, Anil Kumble having celebrated his birthday, I think yesterday he turned 50, 50 years. Indeed. Congratulations to him. Best wishes. Um, they, I think they were very exasperated towards the end. They couldn't have another you know, close finish. They had only won two, two matches, both of which uh, was played against uh, RCB. Right? So this is their third win, a welcome win. And they have finally left that position at the bottom of the table. They are now... Joint, <laughs> joint fifth, if you may call that, right. uh, with four teams stuck at six points: Sunrisers, Kings Eleven, CSK, and uh, Rajasthan Royals. So, I think it's it's a very closely uh, fought contest between the bottom four teams now. So, well, indeed. Uh, look, if I have to talk of the you know some points that I noticed in this game, uh, all the points that were relevant as far as the super over goes, you very succinctly summarized them, but. When it came to how Mumbai set up their total, we must give a lot of credit to Kairan Pollard because, look, um, they were nowhere near getting 
ஒன்னும் in the 12th over or in the 13th over of their chase this was the first time in all the chases of the recent games where a chasing teams required run rate was less than 10 even after the 12th or the 13th over until then every team had at least 10 and over so they were still only requiring 9 and over from there even after he got out even up until the last over they were in having any ma- manageable run rates even in the last over trent bolt defended 8 or 9 if i'm not wrong so he did a fantastic job there there because he had a very bad game it must be said he did well to give only 8 so they were chasing 9 so he gave mm-hmm. only 8 so it was 3 overs 40 yeah, for him but trent bolt standards that was ridiculous but he still got the game and uh, he saved it as far as his team is concerned and jordan was lucky to get that interdict uh, 4 and huda was lucky that the catch got dropped you can always look <laughs> at it the other way and say huda's catch could have gone to a boundary and that would have been that right so that's not how these things work but the rest i would say they stuck in really well you know in spite of just having to defend five i think mohammad shami delivered probably one of the best super overs that i have seen absolutely everything in the block hole in and around the same you know uh, wide of the crease or right hitting the leg stump so on so forth so that was really good and in the second super over again i think you know the bowlers from kings 11 side the bowler from kings 11 side did a very very good job there restricting as you said uh, always restricting um, pollard from sort of freeing his hands and when it came their turn to bat surely chris gale had to say something in this whole game so <laughs> he's been sort of waiting in the wings long enough in the previous game as well he took his time but completed a 50 and they stuttered and stumbled but somehow finished that game as well against rcb right in this game he had yeah. to put his stamp on it that was that ball the moment he walked out i told my roommate i remember that you know what he's going to do something he's going to win this game for kings 11 he very nearly did and of course mayank agarwal was there and you know with his finesse and his classy shot making two clean shots fours all done right they totally deserve it it should not have been this difficult is going to be what i'm going to say when it comes to i think uh, from a table perspective look they have very less chance it's only a theoretical chances what between them kings 11 uh, csk and rr they have what is called a theoretical chance i dare say with today's loss srh have also come to the same category so if you look at the earlier match in the 35th game of this uh, season's ipl so in this case it was again another super over you know uh, enough people said it on twitter uh, is this really scripted reality it looks too good to be true but apparently there has been one other game in international or in non t20 cricket where both the teams there were a double header t20 in south africa and it was a both the games had a super over so apparently it's known to happen but still this was very very incredible that there were two super overs and in fact it turned out to be three in the end right that was crazy so in any case if you were to take a quick look at what happened in the earlier game i think sunrisers hyderabad will uh, feel really really hard done by because um, they had a very tough chase it must be said right so having restricted kings uh, sorry kolkata night riders to just uh, 163 for 5 they should have been very happy because even that was 
very you know at the end the last three overs uh, the way morgan and karthik played brought them to 163 otherwise i was again thinking 155 150 even right i think basil tampi went for a few in the end natarajan who's usually very parsimonious went for a few and there you go they got a very big total there but then the way johnny bestone kane williams and almost a limping kane williams and started you would think again um, they were being doing really well even at the time johnny bestow got out they were matching the run rate but then you know those two those two very crucial blows that ferguson landed so i was also sort of tweeting why is ferguson not taking the new ball it's clear he's used as a middle overs enforcer and he did his role to a perfection here you know taking 3 for 15 in four overs but more importantly he took out two top order batsmen priyam garg and manish pandey both bowled both really really good balls in fact the ball manish pandey got would have gotten i would say 99 out of 100 cricketers out there that was so good a ball so good a fast yorker and you know after that in spite of you know uh, sort of not giving up i would say a lot of credit to both david warner who dropped himself down the order and abdul samad who took them all the way there and i think with one ball two runs to get probably warner would feel a little hard done by because that would have finished the game then and there right that that was the first chance they let go and then when it came to the super over it was always going to be you know there is a little bit of a coin toss when it comes to the super over and there i i would say they were a bit unlucky as well right so you knew who would be bowling the super over it would be lockie ferguson again he bowled that pinpoint slower ball yorker that cleaned up one batsman and the other one the first ball of the super over that was a pinpoint accurate just short of length ball that was targeting the top of off that's one of the toughest balls to play in cricket that took warner out so ferguson really won the game as far as kkr is concerned and he's been proving that so you know it's like people who are waiting on the bench will want to perform like this to take the game away from them i got win the game so comfortably that they dare not be dropped you know so i would say with this loss knowing that they had to just get two runs off the last ball to take the victory i think srh will be very very disappointed because as you were telling me off the air had srh won this game then them and kkr would have had eight points each at the end of nine games and that would have probably also thrown a lifeline to the other teams below them the moment mm-hmm. they lost this game you would more or less say from this point on kkr are favorites to finish fourth rcb mi and dc will take the other three spots so i don't see this table changing too much i don't see any last minute unheard of upsets let me put it like this and hmm. we are probably sure this will be the four teams that will go to the qualifiers giri do you have a different opinion maybe i'm still not sure if uh, kkr are kicking on all cylinders firing on all cylinders i mean mm-hmm. but it's very promising to see that you know they have a fast bowler like lockie ferguson uh, who took on the responsibility and uh, finished the job for them today mm-hmm. uh, i think they have a fantastic fast bowling lineup i think the other thing i noticed with this ipl is lot of the teams have very good fast bowlers you know you consider right. uh, uh, delhi capitals they <laughs> they have supreme firepower at their disposal with uh, kahis rabada and uh, anrich uh, norkia uh, right so those two guys and then that uh, the other guy tushar uh, deshpande and then mumbai indians of course have uh, bumrah and trent bolt and uh, royal challengers have dale stein uh, navdeep saini chris morris can also bowl the heavy ball Mm-hmm. and then kolkata night riders of course have pat cummins on the two youngsters you know uh, shivam mavi and uh, kamlesh nagarkoti indeed and then this guy uh, who just joined them today lockie ferguson the new zealander right. 
Uh, right. So they have the, these four teams, I, if I look at them, they have such good fast bowlers. They also have a very good spin uh, bowling attack. But it's very strange that in the desert, the fast bowlers are doing so well. And if you look at the, uh, the number of wickets or the purple cap uh, that is currently with is, uh, you know, it's Kahis Warabara. And I think he's way ahead of everybody. I think he has something like close to 20 wickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next guy behind him must be, uh, I, know, I think... Yeah, it, it is Chahal. Yeah, so you, you see a fast bowler doing so well, and I'm so happy to see that, to be honest. Um, so if you look at the other teams, I think they lack this, especially Chennai. Chennai mm. Super Kings mm. are doing, they're languishing there at the bottom of the table. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they with Suresh Raina and Harbhajan Singh not being part of the lineup, uh, mm. having uh, stay, stayed behind, I think they look such a toothless uh, attack, unfortunately. I mean, I really like Mahindra Singh Dhoni and his captaincy. But I think maybe things are not working out so well for them. Uh, people called them Dad's Army a couple of seasons ago when they won it, of course. Mm-hmm. But now I think they're really getting old. Uh, they might want to look at more youngsters. But anyway, coming back to your original question of uh, whether the, any of the other teams have a chance, I think it's looking more and more difficult. Although the only other team that could make, uh, that could be on their way up if they persisted and if KKR uh, you know suddenly slipped down the table would be Sunrisers I think Sunrisers have the most amount of uh, potential to go up there Kings 11 it's you know people call it RCB RCB B team or something like that right it has more players from Karnataka than (laughs) there are in uh, the RCB team uh, it's it's also nice to see somebody like uh, Rahul and uh, Mayank Agarwal, both Karnataka players. Karun Nair, of course, did not play today. Uh, and Anil Kumble being the coach of that. So it, it would be nice to see them also you know, go up the table, but I think it's very difficult. They have lost too many matches because of their death bowling. And it's looking to be the same, just like what happened today, right? So, yeah, I think Touchwood, RCB will qualify for playoffs, not uh, claim the top spot. I think they're pretty good. But I think Delhi Capitals are way good this time. I think they're extremely good. Ricky Ponting and Shreyas Iyer have forged such a nice partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they will, I mean, I dare say, they have a very good chance of winning this year's IPL. Mm-hmm. Mumbai have been past champions. So they, they have the experience of, you know, and, and the nows and the uh, the 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 expertise that uh, Jayavardhana brings. But I think they 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 will feel threatened by uh, Delhi Capitals. They are pretty good today. Uh, the, the, uh, well, this season anyway. So it's it's a. Uh, I mean, I never thought I would be so enthusiastic about IPL, but here I am talking so uh, uh, so fervently about this IPL uh, because there is no cricket around, right? We we really hope that Test cricket comes back with uh, India touring uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. But until then, we have to uh, enjoy whatever cricket there is, and I don't, I don't care. I mean, if there is any kind of cricket, I'll go and watch wherever okay. it is available. So, you hit the nail on the head. We are indeed uh, at a place where you know, uh, I would normally not watch the IPL, IPL at all until about this point in time, right? <laughs> now I'm waiting for every game to begin desperately. So, I think as cricket fans, we are so starved of you know action. Uh, we will take even the IPL, and it must be said. This year, after probably the first two seasons, having a chance to follow every game of IPL closely, I'm falling back in love with IPL, right? And I can completely understand the fan following, the fervor that it attracts, and you know the diehard nature of the fandom that 
is associated with IPL. Therefore, I I perfectly understand, and I you know I can probably also become a diehard fan in the upcoming days. You know, given <laughs> if RCB are going the same way they are, God willing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. In this yeah. case, uh, all this is fine. But if, when we were to just quit, take a quick look at some of the other highlights this week, yesterday's game, you know, finally Dhawan managed to get a hundred, and somehow one for once. Dhoni did not have his best bowler available. DJ Bravo being injured and sitting out, and unfortunately, Jadeja had to take over the duty of the last over. And in spite of requiring a lot of runs, I think Akshar Patel, it must be said, has gone to the next level. Right? He's doing so well that uh, he could keep both Kohli and Dhoni quiet, and he bowls regularly in the super over and uh, sorry, regularly in the power play, as well as he is able to hit clean hits. At least in yesterday's game, he eclipsed. Jadeja comfortably, right in both the skill sets, and um, that was one highlight for me. Shikhar Dhawan getting to 100 and Delhi Capitals again winning from a very very tough situations. That's why they look more and more like champions to me. And again, Mumbai because of how tough they made it for Kings Eleven and not giving up. These two are definitely the teams that are still favorites. RCB are third. You know, we'll come to that. But um, the other thing, finally, you know, in that game versus uh, Rajasthan Royals, we got another. Uh, Splendid, splendid example of what uh, certain ABD Villiers can do. I mean, there was no way that game was going to be won by RCB. We knew, it. oh God, this is going to be another one of those, right? But then this guy and Gurkirat Singh himself, they they sort of kept kept pace. And Gurkirat Singh finally, you know, understood all he has to do is uh, give the strike and where required hit up four or six, and which he did very nicely in the end. And ABD Villiers did his magic, and nobody was spared, right? Jofra Archer was not spared. Jaydev Unadkar, we don't have to talk about it, right? Karthik okay. Tiagi, everybody went for runs. But I mean, I think there were, there have been a small tactical blunder there by Steven Smith, who I find it tough for him to believe that usually the best bowler in the team bowls the 19th over, given he has an over left. In this case, Archer had an over left. So if he truly believes that Unadkar is better than Archer as a T20 bowler, I don't know because he bowled Unadkar. Uh, in the 19th hour, and that was sort of where, you know, um, ABD Villiers got that moment. That's another mm-hmm. small highlight as far as I'm concerned. So all of these were very, very, very enthralling or enthralling games. So it's very tough to take your eyes off it. So yeah. even in the last game, which I already covered, where Kings Eleven Punjab somehow don't want to win the game, even in the last hour requiring <laughs> two runs with a spinner bowling, nobody's ready to hit out, and they have eight wickets in hand. I don't know what was going on there, but finally in the last ball, Puran said, "Yeah, you know, screw this." And stepped out and clearly hit it for a six, right? Uh, and to that, take that ball to the last ball, la, match mm. to the last ball was eh, not yeah. acceptable at all in any case. But anyway, that's a long story yeah. for another day. Yeah, but you talking know, about Rajasthan Royals and uh, RCB in that match yesterday uh, mm-hmm. with ABD stealing uh, the show, right. I think Rajasthan Royals had a very good chance of running him out. You remember uh-huh. he was well short of his crease. Right, it right, was. Right. Mm-hmm. If the throw had been accurate, I don't, I don't know who the fielder was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they missed a run-out opportunity, and he was not yet, uh, you know, he had not yet started hitting all those big shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I don't know what is happening with Rajasthan Royals because Ben Stokes is also back now, uh, and he was not able to, you know, provide that momentum at the top of the order with the bat. And I think he's also injured, so he can't bowl so well. Um, and he looked very low on energy, and that is very, very uh, unreal. I mean, that's that's not common with Ben Stokes. With Ben Stokes, you always see a lot of energy, and didn't seem Correct. to be the case. Maybe he's still, you know, going through certain uh, 
uh, emotional stuff in his mind. So let's hope that he comes back and then performs like he always does uh, when mm-hmm. he's playing uh, cricket. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It remains one of those tough questions to be answered. It's never easy, especially if you have an ailing parent in another part of the world. Uh, it's it's never easy. Your focus is not always a hundred percent on the times uh, or the things that you're doing. But of course, he's a professional, and I'm sure he'll discover his mojo and he'll come back. I mean, the best way is to actually go out and smash a few balls, right? So I'm sure that will be seen shortly as well. So now, if you were to take a look at some of the, you know, COVID-19 related news, so we have just come to know that the 2021 uh, Women's World Cup, Under-19 Women's World Cup, that was scheduled to be held in Bangladesh, is most likely going to be postponed. This is another big, you know, World Cup, World-level tournament that's being postponed due to COVID. It's to be expected, but. You know, it's never a nice thing when a Asian country gets a chance to host a World Cup that to beat an under-19 one. It's still a very unfortunate thing that it's been postponed. So it's always a bit of a problem. And uh, we hope, you know, that they will actually postpone it to maybe 2022 and it can be held again in Bangladesh only. The opportunity to be held uh, like the, the way they did it, the opportunity to hold this tournament should still be given to Bangladesh and maybe postponed by a year or so because that part of the world needs to see women's cricket and beat at under-19 level. It's very important and that means they'll have more exposure and that will always inspire more women in that country and that part of the world to take up cricket. So that's important. So we really hope you know the right sort of a decision is reached. I don't know if you also read this. The domestic season in India will begin from 1st January. There are a lot of ifs and buts there. So nothing is set in stone. Ganguly has uh, come out with an announcement that they'll have a shortened uh, Ranji Trophy and they have also a lot of plans when it comes to junior and women's cricket tournaments. So they have some elaborate plans that they're currently working out with the different boards. So we really hope, you know, the Ranji Trophy will start and then between March and April, the relevant other tournaments will start. You know, the Sayyid Mushtaqali Trophy, the Deorda Trophy, all the other trophies will also start. Right. But will they play at biosecure venues uh, or will there be designated grounds where teams will play or will they still play home and away? No, I think there will be uh, designated grounds. And maybe like, for example, Puducherry, which normally doesn't host a whole lot of games, but has a very low count when it comes to COVID and has six grounds. Might be one of the... Six grounds, okay. Six grounds. So it might, might be one of the venues. You know, you're... Our, uh, our Vinay Kumar is the captain there, right? <laughs> Oh, I, know. I forgot. Yeah, he, I think he plays for Puducherry now. He has Excellent. abandoned, he has deserted Karnataka, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> That's probably not the word I would use, but no, nonetheless, no. he's a journeyman professional. Right. right. So, that's a good news and we'll keep an eye on this. So, we'll really see if they'll do the same plate groups, elite group, or they'll probably combine something more, reduce the number of games. All of this is yet to be announced. Nonetheless, uh, we are not looking to reduce the um, let's say or let's go an entire season without uh, first class cricket. That's very important and that's good news always. And, um, you know, uh, in a sort of unfortunate event in the ongoing National T20 Cup, so there are a couple of news that have come out of it, both of which are not very good to hear. First one is that, um, you know, nine players have broken the protocol, the COVID 19 protocols that were enforced around the tournament. So this, these nine players actually involve also three nationally contracted players or international players who have represented Pakistan. So, you know, these uh, 12 people would be picked up. They would be tested. They were then reintroduced back into the pool. It's actually reaching its uh, conclusion, the tournament. I think the finalists have been identified. So maybe in one of the upcoming episodes, we'll have a quick summary of that. But 
uh, it looks like at least the Pakistan management was very, very unhappy. Nadim Khan, who was the director of Pakistan's High Performance Center and in charge of these sort of activities, was really, really unhappy. He said, that's not something that you can expect. This is one not so nice news you can hear. The other one, a player from this league, the National Community League, has actually come out and reported that he had a corrupt approach. Right? So this is also another uh, not so nice news to hear. And uh, it looks like um, he's not a nationally contracted player. Uh, but nonetheless, there was an approach made to him for throwing a game away. And the details are not known yet. So even in a local uh, tournament, uh, people would still like to bet. And, uh, you know, we keep hearing these sort of news. Uh, when it comes to IPL, Bangalore police have arrested another person in relation to these sort of betting. So we know this is rife. And in one of the recent episodes, I expressed my opinion on it. So I'll not go into that again. In When it comes to, you know, some of the other news from the cricketing world. So in a very major news, Mishbaul Haq, has finally, you know, I think uh, this is my opinion, I'll uh, say it later, but at least he's decided to step down as the chief selector at the end of this year's Pakistan's New Zealand tour. So New Zealand are slated to play a tour of New Zealand end of this year and beginning of January next year. And the moment they're done with that tour, he has decided to step down as the chief selector. So this is sort of a very, let's say, a prudent move. He's always a very prudent man. He likes a bit of control, no doubt. But uh, I think behind the scenes, Kiri, I think they would have always discussed, let's take it on a provisionally, provisionary mm. manner. You can keep it for six months and if it doesn't work out, you can always give it to somebody else. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think it may also have been down to that uh, new ratification by the PCB's uh, Code of Ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in July, they announced that, they, they, I think there were some, some new things that were announced which may have contributed him towards taking this decision like, you know, conflict of interest and uh, sort of uh, things, because you, you cannot be a chief selector and also be a coach. I think it for me, it was already surprising that this st- started out with him like that. Uh, but at least he has a more focus now. So he can, uh, he can be a good coach. I think he's already a good coach. And I wonder who the chief selector will be now. So probably out in the open again so then there will be a tussle of course between the chief selector and the head coach like we had with Inzamam and uh, (laughs) right so it keeps happening anyway it's it's, I think politics is everywhere Mm -hmm. but what happens or what comes out of it and if it's for the better of cricket Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's Pakistan or international cricket for that matter that would be nice so Mm -hmm. let's hope that things uh, (laughs) get better for everybody everywhere indeed now it remains to be seen how it will go and who will be appointed as a chief selector and whether they'll have a very good working relationship or not, right, with Ms. Ba. Nonetheless, it's it's a good development that, you know, the chief selector's role is now going to be separated from that of a head coach. Mm. And that means each can concentrate on their own jobs. Because, look, there are also some basic requirements that your chief selector should be in a position to watch a lot of games, should be able to travel around the country, pay some mm. attention to those high-level yeah. cricket that's going on to identify the upcoming talent. Or at least keep a pipeline going whereby at least you have 15 or 20 that can always play in the highest levels, can be identified and kept kept their eye on. So yeah, it's a long story, but we really hope it will come good. And uh, you know, this is one thing. The next important news is that the ICC deadline for filing nominations for the chairperson's role is 18th October. So finally, ICC have finally found a way. We don't know what the inner wranglings are. But at least they have finally set a date. It's today, in fact, right? So that all the deadlines for the ICC president's nominee should be in place by today to, to actually be nominate yourself as a you know, ICC president or a chairman. You should have backing of at least one board member. That's the requirement. 
I'm all in favor of having a neutral board member who's not from the big three, but also not from any other nation. But it's a time to give a neutral board member a chance to be the chairman. But also, if not, maybe somebody from the big three should not be the chairperson. Somebody who can still safeguard the, let's say, the small man or the smaller partners' interest should be there. And I wouldn't mind if somebody from South Africa or West Indies or somebody take it over, except uh, the former. the former wicb chairman so i'll not go into that too much this is one thing when it comes to sort of you know politics at the very high level it's been brewing for the couple of months now it looks like government intervention is more or less imminent when it comes to south africa cricket so the sports minister has given notice to the uh, icc that there will be some government intervention as far as cricket south africa is concerned the olympic committee for south africa has already told css board to give up their positions this happened already a whole month back nobody took notice of it now it looks like somebody from the government is going to step in and this doesn't it has never sat well with icc we know this they want the cricket to be held let's say independently from government intervention but it's never that black and white because we know bcci takes directives from the indian government the chief patron of the pcb is always the prime minister of pakistan so these things are never black and white so especially in some countries it's always there is a little bit of control or we know how much intervention sometimes is uh, seen in sri lanka when it comes to cricket from the government so there are plenty of such news so not going into that too detail uh, we really hope this doesn't damage south africa's cricket very uh, deeply because they have a couple of good tours that they will have they will host in the upcoming their summer and then they have also mm-hmm. some good uh, tours planned early next year all will go ahead given covid uh, you know sort of abates so we are really waiting to see how this goes going further if you were to take a look at some of the more important news umar gul uh, a very good pakistani fast bowler of yesterday years i shouldn't say yesterday years less than a decade ago he was a very big part of their uh, let's say arsenal of fast bowling has decided to hang up his boots so when it comes to umar gul any any fond memories kiri yeah the strange super over uh, in the 2007 t20 world cup you remember that Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. He missed <laughs> hitting the stumps. I think they had a different concept of a super over back then. Um, so you had a bowler bowling at the stumps, and then how many number of times you would hit the stumps would be taken in, like you know, scoring goals in a penalty shootout in football. And he missed. <laughs> Robin Utapa uh, hit the stumps. He was one of the other guys. I think him and uh, exactly. Shahid Afridi, both of them missed. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So so I, that's his. That that's one of uh, his memories that I have. Yeah, it's 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 strange. I think I don't know how old he is. Maybe in his mid thirties. Right now he's thirty thirty six, thirty seven, I think. Okay. And uh, you know he also represented uh, his team in uh, the ongoing National T Twenty Cup of Pakistan. And once they were eliminated, he decided to hang up his boots. I think there were a lot of injuries in the last three to four years of his career. He was plagued by injuries. Therefore, he couldn't make any successful comebacks into the team since. 2016 and by then pakistan had moved on but i would like to just give him credit because he was yeah. sort of one of the forces when it came to t20s early uh, earlier so for example 2007 and 2009 t20 world cup he was the leading wicket taker as far as pakistan was concerned and when you know they lost amir and asif he stepped in and started becoming the let's say the lead bowler right both in tests and one dayers but then that took a toll on his body and as a result he, his his probably his career would have been a bit longer if he had been always the second bowler or the second strike bowler and uh, because he had to take over the load it's something like what you can say in, when it comes to um, shrinath in india yeah. and so on but yeah. it it 
probably took a bit of a toll on his body and he started having back and ankle issues and so on and he could really not really make a place for himself and he sort of faded away and this is a good time to bring a career down as far as a, you know 36 is a old enough age as a fast bowler i guess so yeah we would like to congratulate umargul on a very good career and also wish him best of luck going further with the rest of his life and you know, his second innings now the last of the news that we would like to discuss today Let's go one more and then we'll do the last one. So, New Zealand's uh, first test-winning captain, John Reid, has died at 92. So, he was, a, he was a real giant of the sport when it came to New Zealand. And he won uh, the first ever test match. New Zealand won. That was after a 36-year period only. Right? Of 36 years of playing tests, they won their first test match. So, he, he has a lot of other records as well and he did well. So, let's not go, in, go into that too in detail. But he was a thorough cricketer. Also, he was completely involved. He was a sports administrator. He, he was a chief selector. He was an ICC match referee. He's done it all. And he's moved on at 92. So, we would like to offer our condolences to, to his family and friends. And we also, you know, uh, we will always fondly remember John Reid for his contributions to New Zealand cricket, no doubt. So, the last piece of news that we would like to discuss is that it's a big one, actually. So, ECB has actually revealed that they are actually discussing with the Pakistan Cricket Board for a short three-match T20 tour of Pakistan in Jan-Feb 2021. This is the first time England are planning a tour of Pakistan in 15 years. And usually, one of the big three comes, it brings all the... You know, all the benefits that it has. And of course, it opens the door for many, many other teams as well. So, from an impact perspective and yeah, feasibility is something we'll discuss later. But if this were to go ahead, what sort of impact do you think it'll have on Pakistan cricket or cricket returning to Pakistan? I think international cricket returning to Pakistan already had an impact. I think uh, the series against, uh, wasn't that against Sri Lanka uh, earlier this year? Mm-hmm. Right, so... It already had an impact, and people came out came out in uh, scores, and you know, to watch the match. Um, and I think Pakistani cricketing public, anyway, cricket fans in general, they were, they have been deprived of domestic cricket. Well, not domestic cricket per se, but uh, international cricket being played at domestic venues. So they have not been able to watch their international players play in home conditions. They've always been playing in the Middle East, right? So, so this is the best opportunity for their local uh, uh, population to come and watch. And of course, that will have a huge impact uh, in terms of economy. I think uh, it's, it will bring a lot of money in, uh, television revenue, you know, endorsements, advertisements, all those things. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I think it will instill a lot of confidence in the other countries uh, to also make a move and uh, come and play cricket in uh, Pakistan. Forget about all the political reasons. I'm not going to get into a political debate here. But it is, Pakistan is one of the test playing nations, right? So every country plays test cricket in its home conditions. And Pakistan is the only country that has not done that since 2009, right? Or they hadn't done it yet anyway. So if this were to be true and a big team like England comes out to play in Pakistan, then uh, yeah, it will open the door. Even if it's a small opening, I think uh, more people, more teams will consider coming in. But let's hope that you know the COVID situation um, also is under control by then. And uh, yeah, I think we have not seen cricket being played in Pakistan home conditions. So we have forgotten how their you know pitches behave. Uh, you remember Karachi. You remember the 
what is it called gaddafi stadium in lahore you know those uh, stadiums they had a certain type of a pitch where cricket was played right and we have forgotten how that actually behaved we've only mm-hmm. seen one day or t20 cricket uh, pcl whatever but that doesn't represent you know real cricket so i am very curious to see if and when that goes ahead uh, but i would still be very cautious because i think uh, it might be an inclination to do that but it may not be a done deal yet they will still keep their uh you know keep keep an eye on things how things progress with uh, covid as well as with uh, the security situation over there mm-hmm. it might actually happen you know it might actually happen so that would be nice so indeed that's correct and i would say going ahead more and more and more teams get encouraged to come and play in pakistan and that's always a good thing and uh, we really hope you know pakistani public which is always a very big fan of cricket gets to see international cricketers come and play and more and more youngsters get you know encouraged by this so those are all the cricketing news now if we were to take a quick look at the trivia section so we had previously asked a trivia question in the 97th episode and the question was who is the first player to have scored a 100 and taken a hat trick in the same test so in all the years of international cricket it it happened i don't know more than 150 years after the inception of test cricket itself it must be said that the answer to this question is soha ghazi from uh, bangladesh an off spinning all rounder who was able to achieve this very very rare feat in a test against new zealand in 2013 so the test match itself ended in a draw but uh, you know he, he was he was able to take a hat trick in the course of uh, first of all in, in the first batting innings he scored 101 for uh, bangladesh where they topped new zealand's 469 by making 501 and then in the second innings when new zealand batted he took 6 for 77 which included a hat trick so this is a great great achievement and uh, our congratulations to soha ghazi and uh, we haven't heard a whole lot of him since but uh, he's a very good bowler and uh, you know maybe he'll still come back into the team and uh, make a big uh, you know big, big impact again so the trivia question from this episode is again sort of a factoid that we took from uh, twitter so this was actually tweeted by flashcore cricket commentary on twitter so we would like to give them the credit for this so the question is which country has fielded three sets of brothers for the first time ever in an international in an international game right and who are the three sets of brothers so uh, if you look back a little bit a couple of decades even behind you you'll probably immediately notice which team it can be but then you will have to then go a little bit and dig which match it was so uh, that's the trivia question so i hope you know it is interesting enough that our listeners are able to do a bit of digging and give us an answer so the medium in which you can give an answer is always been the same you can tweet it to us at amchatcricketpod or write into us the correct answer at amchat.cricket@gmail.com you could also let us know your thoughts how the episodes are going whether you would like to see something whether you would like to not see something so on and so forth we are always open to your suggestions before we close this episode because it's the 100th episode giri i would like to say thanks to you because uh, as a co-host uh, you've always been my support and uh, you've helped me you know sometimes you get into some rut you always help me get out of it and you've kept my motivation going right so i would like to say thanks to you as my co-host and um, you know i would also like to say thanks to all our rotating you know list of co-hosts guest co-hosts we have way too many so i would like to not thank anyone in particular because i would not like to single anyone out but i would like to thank them all right so thank you for your uh, you know continued interest uh, something you want to add giri 
Well, uh, you've thanked me, but I think I should thank you firstly because uh, you remember, I think, nearly two years ago, towards the end of 2018, um, you came up with the idea of starting a podcast because I think, like me, you had many other friends who you would always talk to. You know, invariably that conversation would lead to cricket and then you, you would exchange anecdotes, you know, analysis on the spot, right? So because you follow a lot of cricket. We also did, you know, some of your friends like me, we also did, but not so much on a regular basis, but we have some knowledge of cricket because we played either or we have been following it very since we were very young. Uh, but to actually turn this into a platform where we can capture all these ideas and concepts, analysis, whatever that was, uh, I think it um, doesn't come easily for everybody and to do it uh, for such a long period already, nearly two years and the hundredth episode, like you said, uh, even when I was not there, you, you, I already said, you know, I'm not a regular co-host anymore. I'm an irregular uh, co-host, but anyway, uh, but to do it, uh, nevertheless, um, sustainably, I think uh, hats off to you as well. Uh, and I mean, it's not just the conversation that we have during the podcast, but also around the podcast whether it's about cricket or about anything, even philosophical things, there is always this, you know, uh, a nice conversation that we always have. Uh, I also thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity, you know, to be there uh, talking to you. Uh, and I've also learned a lot of things as well myself uh, from you as well as from other guest uh, uh, hosts on our uh, show. So, so totally enjoyable experience so far, and I hope we continue doing it in the long run as well. Uh, even if there is COVID, when there is no COVID, doesn't matter. We keep doing it. Thank you. Thanks a lot as well. So we would also like to thank our bevy of fans who tweeted at us, who have given us some suggestions, who have answered our questions from time to time. So our podcast would be nothing without our fans. So I would like to always thank our, you know, I would not call legions of fans, but a large number of fans that we are able to retain. And we really hope they continue to encourage us. And uh, we really hope you know, in the upcoming uh, few few years, we can grow a bit more. So let's see how things go. So those are all the things. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.